Hello, and welcome to the Link Podcast, the industry's link to learn, innovate news and knowledge in global supply chain intelligence. Hosted by Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive, we cover everything from transportation and warehousing trends and new technologies to food safety and sustainability impacting today's supply chains. I'm Brielle Jekyll, Associate Editor of Food Logistics and SDCE, and we are finishing our Diversity, Inclusion, and Equality Month with a deep dive into LGBTQ inclusion in the supply chain workplace with the Human Rights Campaign. The Director of Workplace Equality at HRC and I talk about how companies in the supply chain are really embracing the community in a fundamental way, how far workplaces have come in the last 20 years, and what else needs to be done. So let's link into that conversation now. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining. I am here with Beck Bailey, who is the Director of Workplace Equality at the Human Rights Campaign. Hi, Beck. Thank you so much for coming on with me today. Hi, thanks so much for having us. So today I want to talk a little bit about um, inclusion in the workplace in the supply chain, specifically uh, with the LGBTQ community. And I know that you've recently um, done a report in this area, mostly on the food and beverage sector, I, I would say, right? Yeah, actually, our report spans industries, but we have a really okay. representation of the food and beverage industry. Do you want to describe a little bit about some of the things that you found, um, even throughout the whole supply chain? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, my team at the Human Rights Campaign Foundation. Uh, works with essentially the Fortune 1000, um, the American Law 200, like our largest uh, companies and firms in the United States. And we work on helping those companies become more lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer, or LGBTQ inclusive. And one of the tools that we have for our work is a benchmark survey and report called the Corporate Equality Index. And we've actually been doing this for 19 years and asking companies about their own inclusive policies, practices, and benefits in the workplace. And our report um, for 2021 measured uh, just over 1,100 companies and 767 of them received our very top mark. Now, that's across all industries, right? Mm -hmm. um, if I look at food and beverage isolated, uh, we measured 69 companies that actively participated with us. And about that same percentage or two thirds scored our top mark of 100, which gets them the moniker of best places to work for LGBTQ inclusion. And some of the things that we measure that you know, jump out for me, um, you know, even in this industry. And I would say, you know, one of the things that's always interesting about the CEI is how all industries relatively track together. So the idea that maybe LGBTQ inclusion is something for like the tech sector or professional services, but not for you know, manufacturing or food and beverage or, you know, your grocery store chain is just not true. All businesses across all sectors, across all parts of our country 
understand that being LGBTQ inclusive is good for business. And so we see very similar kind of results across those sectors and regions. Um, one or two um, data points, if, if it's helpful. Um, when we look at uh, the food and beverage sector for us, 72% of the companies that participated have uh, an LGBTQ pride employee resource group. So uh, an affinity group for employees who are LGBTQ or allies uh, to have a place to talk about um, inclusion in the workplace, to drive initiatives for inclusion. A really important part of kind of having an inclusive culture is to have these employee resource groups. Mm -hmm. um, another great example is transgender healthcare coverage. And I think, you know, if folks aren't real familiar with transgender people, they might not know, but, but trans-inclusive healthcare is a really important um, area of uh, benefits for trans folks and can be really life-saving and life-changing for people to have access to that care without discrimination. And employers in the United States are the largest providers of benefits, so it's really important that we have employers be inclusive. And we found that 81% of the food and beverage sector have at least one trans-inclusive benefit plan in their offerings to their employees. So that gives you kind of a sense of the wow. bunch. That's great. I, I would assume that as we become more aware as a society and become more focused on making sure that everyone is included, that those numbers have gone up year over year, right? Yeah, um, that's such a great, a great question. Um, let me kind of put it all in context, right? So when we started in 2002, we rated 319 companies and just 13 of them scored 100%. Oh my God. Um, and when you look at some of the things that we measure, like, you know, a core thing that we measure is does your employment non-discrimination policy include LGBTQ people? So does it include protection based on sexual orientation and gender identity? And when we started, um, you know, here's a great benchmark. Of those 319 companies, 85% of them had sexual orientation protections, but only 5% of them had gender identity protections. And that's protections for transgender people. Today, when we look at those numbers, right? I said we had a, a little over 1,100 companies. We had 1,142, 767 scored that top mark. So that gives you this sense of that, you know, great growth trajectory. And 100% of them had sexual orientation protections and 99.7% of them had gender identity protections. So that's the kind of change over the 19-year arc that, that we're measuring. Um, I, the, the, the food and beverage sector and you know, the supply chain more broadly, you know, to us, it reflects that same kind of trajectory, right? We 
we saw consistent forward momentum in the companies that we measure in that sector. So we had, you know, six companies move from, um, you know, not a perfect score up to that 100% score, right? We had four brand new companies debut and they debuted at 100, right? Uh, taking the survey for the very first time. And then we had um, about a dozen more that made some sort of jump in their score. So they made progress from wherever they were to a new uh, benchmark. And that's the kind of momentum that we like to see. You know, for us, we, we talk to companies about, we don't care where you enter. Our, our, our goal is to get you in the conversation and then work with you to make forward progress. What kind of things are you seeing with the forward progress companies that they're doing to rank so highly on the on the survey or score yeah. so highly? We put forward um, a very clear set of criteria. It's very transparent. It's on our website. Um, you can find uh, not only the criteria, but the whole report at hrc.org backslash CEI for Corporate Equality Index. And you can read the criteria. It's very plainly written and it's in the public space. So there's no kind of secret to how you get there, right? It's a, we really wanted to publish a roadmap that any company could follow. And, and so, you know, when we think about how people are moving from wherever they are to our 100% benchmark, they're making you know, a dedicated move in one of those areas. Now, we measure you know, what I would call like four major areas of impact. Um, one is that crucial non-discrimination protection that I mentioned already. Uh, the second one would be um, benefits, and I, and I mentioned that a little bit already around trans benefits, but we measure benefits that, um, you know, address LGBTQ people and their families. And then we measure um, what we would call internal inclusion activities, like having an employee resource group or having training and education programs, having professional development programs. So we we look at a bunch of internal practices that build inclusive culture. And then lastly, our fourth area is we look outside at like, how do you engage with the community? Do you, um, do you recruit from the community? Do you um, sponsor? Do you march in parades? Do you um, do, you do philanthropic uh, you know, volunteer days with the LGBTQ community? So we look at how the company is authentically engaging with, with the broader community as well. And that's how we come up with our score. Mm -hmm. Do you think, so I know that you said that, that you're seeing all these great numbers across the board and it's not anything and any specific sector, but what do you think that you've seen in the supply chain in terms of the LGBTQ community? Well, I, you know, for us, that's, um, a little bit interesting this year that we saw. Um, we saw some really big gains across, you know, a few companies, companies that have been engaged, engaged with us for a while. So if you look at the report, you see some big jumps in scores for companies like um, Smucker, JM Smucker and Keurig Dr. Pepper. 
Um, we have some newcomers. We're seeing some startups that are entering into um, the survey. So something like Impossible Foods, where you see, um, you know, a company like, uh, you know, McDonald's, for example, or um, uh, I, I'm trying to think of, you know, Yum, or you know, there there are several that have been with us for a very very long legacy. Time. Yeah. And then we have kind of, you know, younger, smaller brands entering into the game as well. And we actually had, and we're pretty excited about this, and they are too, our first and only craft beer company um, this year in New Belgium Brewing uh, enter the survey. Oh, that's very cool. So this year, I, Black Lives Matter has been a huge thing in the news, obviously, it's and, and a lot of people are looking internally in their companies and seeing what can we do better in terms of inclusion. Do you feel that this has been a big jump for the LGBT community, or are we focusing more on skin color and, and other things instead this past year specifically? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Um, so. I'm going to give that answer in a couple of parts. Um, the first one is, you know, with the murder of George Floyd in in the end of May and the 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 really large and necessary national attention on Black Lives Matter June, July through the summer, um, you know, it could be easy to envision that, and that's actually the time of year that our survey is in the field with companies, right? And it, it could be easy to imagine that companies would kind of back off the pedal of their LGBTQ issues while they were focused on some of the necessary racial justice issues. And the, and the one thing that we saw is that wasn't true. And, and you know, we had more companies participate. We, people got their surveys done. You know, I think instead what, the, what happened was there had to be, you know, how do we talk about all social justice and racial justice, LGBTQ inclusion and justice, you know, brown folks, women, you know, how do we, how do we talk about it holistically? And how do we recognize the unique challenges groups face um, and their similarities and, and leverage that conversation to make change? So what I mean is, you know, the LGBTQ community is a good example of a community that doesn't have federal civil rights protections in the United States, mm -hmm. still faces legal discriminatory issues. And so that's a particular problem. And, but people of color do have protections. So it's not about, you know, the, the, the law, it's about, it's about the culture, right? And so, you know, it opens an opportunity to talk about both those things. How do we advance the laws and necessary protections, but then also for everyone, how do we make real meaningful um, culture change in our businesses, but in our society at large? And, and I think that that's, um, you know, that's the conversation we're having. And for us, you know, we often say, you get to 100 on our survey, it's like, fantastic, congratulations, you're just beginning. Because <laughs> what I mean by that is we're kind of measuring those structural foundational things like policies and practices and benefits, and they don't make your culture inclusive, right? right? You've got to then, you know, they're important and they're foundational, but you've got to build on them. And that means having 
you know, hard conversations about what it's really like to be, you know, queer at a certain company or trans or non-binary or gay or lesbian. And just like, what is it really like to be black at a company? What is it really like to be a person with a disability? And, and, and be able to head, head on talk about those difficult conversations and address them. So this has been our diversity, inclusion, and equality month on the Link podcast. Yeah. And something that that's one of the things I've been thinking about quite a bit through all this. Uh, I, we were discussing women in trucking, and you know, you can put all of the the foundations there, all of the policies in place, but you can't control individuals. And to make sure that that culture accepts that person, and and that person feels safe. I'm always curious how you're really able to make that change and make sure that all of these individual employees are are including everyone and not making anyone feel uncomfortable or, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true that we can't, you know, to to a certain degree, we don't want to, we certainly don't want to control people's beliefs, right? Um, but I do think, you know, as employers and creating certain atmospheres, whether it's with your independent contractors or your employees or your vendors, you know, clients. Um, I think we do know what respectful behavior looks like. And, and we do, and we do say that, you know, most of us have values around what respect in the workplace looks like and how we're going to treat each other. And, and so I think we do have an obligation to kind of lean into those values and, and make them real for everyone. And, you know, quite often, you know, certainly some people are, are way out of bounds and are doing overtly discriminatory or prejudiced things. But mostly we're talking about more, you know, what are known as microaggressions or micro inequities or, you know, people, you know, maybe saying, you know, something that isn't quite right. And, and you know, the, the, the question about how we start to have those conversations, you know, some of it is top down, like CEO and leadership messages and HR and all of that. But a lot of it is, you know, if I'm a, a male trucker standing next to another male trucker and the woman trucker of, arrives on the scene and the guy next to me says, you know, oh gosh, you know, women in trucking, what do they think of next? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, throwback comment about masculinity and femininity and roles and all of those things. Like all of a sudden we're in the fifties, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's the moment when people have that and say, you know, what are you talking about, man? Like, you know, do I, do I say, you know, women belong in trucking, of course they do, you know, don't give any shade to her, you know, do I, do I, do I stand up in that moment, even in the smallest right. way, to kind of say, aren't we past this, you know, when it comes to gender, maybe it's locker room conversation, or when, it, you know, aren't we kind of past that, and it could be about any underrepresented minority, right, it could be, it could be about anybody, and I, I think that those are the moments when allies and bystanders and, and the community of people that make any community, whether it's a business or um, your, 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 your place of faith or your school or your neighborhood, 
start saying, you know, that, that was uncalled for. We don't really need, you know, what's that all about? (laughs) Do you really think that women can't do this job? Let's have a conversation about that. If that's what you think. Right. And so I, I, I think the same is true for LGBTQ people for sure. And, um, those are the kind of conversations we need to start having. I love it. Do you have any specific stories that maybe you found that really touched you or, or made a difference in, when you were compiling the report? Well, so we always get a certain amount of stories. Um, you know, often for me, um, a lot of it is is kind of the maybe the trickle down effect, if you will, um, of, you know, when you have LGBTQ people in particular, because it's a, it, it's, it, it can be what's known as an invisible diversity, right? You don't necessarily know someone as LGBTQ, right? And um, I bet if I told folks on this podcast, whether they're listening to me or whether they're watching the video, that I was born female and raised as a girl and I'm a transgender man and I transitioned um, you know, later on in life. I don't know that people would necessarily know that when they first meet me, right? So you don't always know where LGBTQ people are. Mm-hmm. And for many people we hear over and over again that the workplace was actually the very first place that they got messages of acceptance you know, not from their family, mm-hmm. not from their community of faith, not at school when they were growing up, but at, at work by all these very inclusive employers. And that was very meaningful to them, but also meaningful to, you know, straight and cisgender parents who have LGBTQ kids who can see, you know what, I don't have to worry about my kid not being able to make it in the world. Like there are employers who are gonna embrace my kid even if they're out as LGBTQ. And that to me is a really important part of this work that I think gets lost, the the humanity of it, right? Mm -hmm. That our community actually faces so much discrimination still in in the United States and elsewhere and violence and, um, you know, really, really horrid kind of experience that people are so overwhelmed when they find like their employer has policies that are inclusive and is, you know, bragging about earning hundred percent on the human rights campaign, corporate equality index. That's pretty impressive. It's so nice to hear things like that and how, you know, everything is, is moving. I mean, there's obviously a lot of room to grow, but it's great to see how far that we've come. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a lot more to do for sure. I think those are all the questions I have for today, but is there anything that you'd like to add? Well, I guess I'll just say, um, you know, it's, it's really important to kind of acknowledge the progress we've made as a society, as a business community. Um, and at the same time, you know, be able to celebrate that and own it and also recognize the work that still needs to be done. You know, our research shows that still roughly half of LGBTQ people stay in the closet at work. And that's because they're getting some sort of signal that it's probably not okay to to come out, right? And so 
you know, when you think about, I, I'm just keep using your women in trucking, right? You know, when you think about the, the women in trucking who are dealing with a certain level of, um, you know, kind of unconscious bias and pushback about, you know, kind of breaking gender norms by being in trucking. Um, if they are also lesbian women, you know, they're probably not revealing that because they don't want to lay another, another strike against them, you know, out there. And I can imagine that, you know, gay men in trucking are probably feeling a little reserved too. I, I'll tell you right now, there are gay men in trucking. I know a bunch of transgender people in trucking. I know a bunch of them. And, and so it, there's, we're everywhere. <laughs> so we've got to be, you know, it, you know, we've got to be thinking about that and how we make cultures and how we start to change that culture that people really feel like they can, they can be themselves. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I, I feel like it's really great to have these conversations. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for ha having the HRC and me on and letting us talk about our work. Um, it's so important to get the word out there about what we do. And if folks are interested in getting a hold of us, it's super easy. Um, our team is workplace at hrc.org and we focus on uh, helping employers be more inclusive. And thank you for all the work that you do. Thanks. You're welcome. Well, thank you so much for listening to today's episode and for the rest of the equality, diversity, and inclusion episodes this month. I think these are really important conversations that we need to have, and I'm really excited to see where the supply chain is headed. Um, tune in every Tuesday for our episodes of Link by Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive. If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a thumbs up or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Next week, we start our month on technology. So don't forget to hit subscribe on the Spotify, Apple, and Google Playlist app so you never miss an episode.